The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I have with me Kathy Frey, and Kathy is all the way in New Zealand, so this is really fun. <laughs> I've learned a lot about the New Zealand healthcare system, and uh, today we're going to be talking about um, integrative medicine, specifically Kathy's term, perinatal integrative medicine, which is taking all of the different aspects of medicine, all the different providers, and creating a holistic care uh, for yourself and your loved one while they're birthing, and also um, professionals, how you can be part of this movement to integrate these parts of medicine. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm not going to be, yeah, you're, you're going to be doing most of the talking because, <laughs> okay, so um, tell us about your history. How did you get into this crazy world of birth? Because you were a midwife, right? Yes, yeah. So I am a midwife, but um, I it, it was having so often. It's a story. Um, it was having my own children, which inspired me to become a midwife. Um, before that, I'd been a um, in the, a corporate in the travel industry, but I'm probably quite pleased I'm not doing that at the moment <laughs> around the world. Um, yeah. So uh, our kids are now sort of in their twenties, and um, when they were little babies, I trained to become a midwife so that's really been what I've been doing for the last kind of one and a half decades. Wow so you trained while your kids were little? Yeah. <laughs> okay yeah that's some serious punishment you wanted for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> so then did you work in the hospital or were you mostly out of hospital? Mostly out of hospital the self-employed midwives so um uh, where I'm based in New Zealand, um, New Zealand is re regarded as having the best maternity healthcare system on the planet, um, second next to Holland, really, the Netherlands. Um, but here, we there is sort of two main areas that midwives will choose to go into, which is either um, going into the um, shift work hospital um, setting or that they become self-employed caseloading. So then you have your own private clients um, where they are, you look after them antenatally, attend their birth and do their postnatal home visits as well. So it's what they call a continuity of care system. So that's mostly what I did was caseloading. But uh, yeah, so it was that sort of hardcore in the trenches, hundreds of births, two or three nights every week, missing sleep. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Um, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool role. Yeah. So, um, so the maternal care in New Zealand is top notch, and yet you still find that there are problems in the system. What, what are you? What do you experience down there that you feel just should be uncalled for, considering your system? Um, I think that basically we have the same problems that everybody has around the world, except perhaps we just don't have them in the same levels. That's all. Mm. So the same sorts of things will still occur, meaning, um, you know, questionable inductions being used. Are, are they, is it really necessary? Um, questionable amounts of scans being done. Um, 
it just a lot of that, you know, we still have that um, impact of potentially unnecessary interference, um, sort of finding abnormal within normal. Um, and yeah, so that still occurs. So we've still got higher C-section rates and um, that, you know, we should really have. But certainly um, there's a lot of countries that are a lot worse. Yeah, I was going to say, what is your C-section rate? Do you know? Um, that depends on where you are in New Zealand. Um, cl the closer you are located to a major tertiary hospital, the higher the C-section rates. And as you go further outside, you know, further away from major hospitals, the lower the C-section rates. Um, and interestingly, there is no reduction um, in the maternal um, morbidity or neonatal mortality rates, etc. So the fact that you are reducing the C-section rate as you move further away from a major hospital is not having a... Um, negative or, impact. And yeah, it doesn't have a negative impact on the outcomes. In fact, if anything, it's the reverse. The closer you get to a major hospital, the higher the chance that um, mum ends up in theatre or um, HDU or ICU and the higher the chance that the baby ends up in NICU. Wow. Wow. Fascinating. Okay. So tell me, how is the, how is everything paid for in New Zealand? Is it, are you on the private system or is everything paid medically or by the government? Or how does it work? Okay, uh, well, we are what we would term a wealthy country. So that means that everything is paid for. Um, so uh, right from your midwife to obstetric referrals, C-section, every, everything is paid for. Sometimes women do need to pay a little surcharge for um, some scans. But um, yeah, everything's free, including Wow. <laughs> wow. What? So, but... But does that make a difference in the maternal fetal outcome? Or that's why your medical care is so much better than the United States? Or you said you're second I in the world? That the reason, yeah, I think the reason that our maternity health care system is so good is because we have a continuity of care system. So there's one person that's looking after that um, that pregnant woman. So she sees her antenatally, attends the birth, and does her postnatal home visits. So I think less mistakes are made with that. Mm. So how does a woman, how much control does a woman have over her medical care in New Zealand? Is she, is she able to just basically go anywhere she wants? If it's a nationalized system, is she forced to go to her local doctor? Or can she pick her provider? Or what can the provider decide yeah, about her body? She is um, permitted to go to any provider she wants. So Really? Um, yeah. So there yeah. is a little bit of competition. There's healthy competition because no. the provide well, but the provider's paid for the, the government pays the provider, but the provider still has to behave correctly. Otherwise, he's not going to get any patients, right? Yeah. Um, although that's generally not, like, we tend to have a little bit of a shortage of midwives. Oh, um, so, got it. Yeah, yeah. So that's not probably the case. But in theory, yes, a woman can, she, she chooses who her midwife will be. She chooses where she goes for her birth. Um and there, that's absolutely her. So we've got very, very strict laws within in New Zealand with regards to patient consent, very strict. So nothing can happen that's not what she has agreed to. Wow. So you don't have um, women having C-sections against their will or usually they're the provider guides them through that process instead of absolutely it cannot it cannot occur. I think you don't have child protective services. What? Sorry. Sorry? 
I say unless she's unconscious and it's life. Oh, unless she's unconscious. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So, um, so what has COVID done for birth in New Zealand? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. So um, in New Zealand, we now have no community transmission of COVID presently. So we are all back to normal um, from a, a mixing of, of size of groups and that everything's back to normal except that our international borders are closed. Um, so the only COVID that we've got coming into New Zealand now is being imported, meaning it's New Zealanders that are returning here and are in quarantine until they are COVID free. Um, so... But when we did hit that quarantine period initially, um, suddenly you got these women who had been planning to go to the hospital for their birth and have their epidural and suddenly realized, oh my God, if I go to the hospital, I'm going to be potentially putting my baby at risk of, of this disease. So suddenly they had to make that decision I'm going to go to a birth centre or I'm going to home birth and I'm going to be away from that secondary care. And um, it was amazing because women just made that decision. And, you know, because you often you've got women who come into their pregnancy right from the get-go are already deciding that they're going to do natural birth. Well, they've already done their research. They But those women that absolutely were not planning to not have an epidural, suddenly thinking that they won't have access to it, and they got their heads around it really quickly. Mm. And they got really knowledgeable about all the other ways that they can um, manage the pain of labor. And had and our outcomes were absolutely fabulous. Um, and now that we're back to um, women being able to go to the hospital and we don't have community transmission going on of COVID, um, we're back to the same levels of C-sections and babies in NICU and everything else. So... It was um, an interesting, I think it's going to be a little, I think those statistics will probably have some quite interesting research done on them. I was going to say, there you accidentally had a clinical trial. Whoops. Yeah, it basically was. It was an accidental (laughs) clinical trial on what happens when a whole lot of, when thousands of women have to suddenly decide not to go to a hospital. And our levels of instrumental and surgical deliveries and low APGAS scores really improved. So uh, how were you able to handle that flow? Because, where, where, um, I mean, wow, so thousands and thousands of women went home. Well, I shouldn't, actually, I'm probably over saying thousands, a few thousand. <laughs> okay, so it didn't break Yeah, a few thousand. Got yeah. it. Because but enough we only have about 60,000 births a year, so it was a few thousand. Oh, we time. have like 60,000 births in this in this uh, city. Yeah. I think exactly. the city where I am, I think there's like upwards of 23,000 births a year. I don't remember, but it's pretty yeah. high. We, we <laughs> only had, yeah, you only have 5 million people. So that's adorable. <laughs> uh, that's adorable. <laughs> You're like almost the state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it has been like a little petri dish experiment yeah. in a way that we can do that. And, um, you know, we, we went hard and we went fast on the quarantine and, and New Zealand, Kiwis in general are compliant natured people. Um, so everybody, you know, did what they were told and we, and we, and actually look, to be honest, everybody, the biggest concern when we were going into quarantine is, do we have time to pick up enough alcohol for, <laughs> for a whole Well, month? then there's that. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Priorities, people. Yeah, New Zealanders like British and Australians do enjoy our wine and beer. And um, so that was sort of, everybody was uh, quite willing to really go on holiday for a month. So for the US, it was toilet paper. For the Kiwis, <laughs> it was booze. Got it. Okay. Well, we didn't, we, our shelves didn't run out. But um, yeah, but that was more, it's like, oh my gosh, we've got 48 hours to get into quarantine. We need to get to the liquor store. Oh my gosh, that's um, so funny. <laughs> But anyway, um, it was it was amazing how it was impressive how the women themselves just took charge of the wellness of their their fetus and their unborn baby and said, right, I am taking charge of this. Mama bear is coming out. And yes, I didn't think I wanted to go through the pain of labor, but I'm going to do it for you. Got it. And it was amazing, amazing, amazing outcomes. I mean, we don't have accurate statistics on it all now, but I know that that period is going to be studied. Um, so it will be interesting to see the outcomes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So um, what is this uh, perinatal integrative medicine? What does that mean? Right. Okay. So um, before I was a, a midwife, when I was a ma, just a mom, um, I, through my motherhood journey, I learn more and more about naturopathic integrative health and I just as so often happens I think when you're a mum you discover more about who you are and what you stand for and I found that I'm really quite a hippie at heart and <laughs> I was not gonna be just traipsing off to the local doctor and throwing antibiotics down my kids throats without knowing why are we doing this and is it the right thing to do and mm -hmm. and so over the course of of mothering young children I I found I had quite a passion towards integrative medicine in general um and then of course I went on to become a midwife and uh then I found that my own birth statistics were just so much better than the norm and I know that it wasn't necessarily about me being in the room. It was about that education and that antenatal period and getting my woman to embrace integrative um, health as part of what's going on in their picture. So say, for example, um, the woman may have had a scan and it's shown that the baby's got some growth retardation or restriction going on. Um, well, okay, we know that acupuncture can can help that. That seems to improve the function of the placenta and it can help reverse that or at least stem it off worsening. So let's get the woman to the acupuncturist and let's address it that way. Let's get her to the medical herbalist and let's improve the nutrition um, and all of these aspects of it. So, but what has become very clear um, over the years is it is an incredible lack of communication between birth practitioners, um, meaning your midwives, doulas, um, obstetricians, so those professional birth practitioners, being able to have some kind of environment or umbrella where they can professionally communicate um, in a cross-discipline exchange type of thing with the naturopathic um, expert specialist practitioners who are focusing on maternity yeah so is it seen as a no-no is it seen as uh less than if you are referring out or what's why are people not well we can't refer um 
Mm, no, it's more, um, well, that's a complicated question. So there are a lot of um, naturopathic therapists, be it, as I say, acupuncturists, medical herbalists, um, naturopaths, osteopaths, chiropractors, homeopaths, etc., who for whatever reason during the course of their practice have ended up specialising in maternity. Um, and that's become their area that they know a lot about. Wow. And, Can they all um, move here, please, or share their... <laughs> <laughs> so it's about, you know, all of those, you know, when you've been a medical herbalist who say, for example, specialized in infertility or preconception care, and you've done it for 20 years, have you not got a lot of information that you can right. be sharing with an obstetrician and a gynecologist? Well, of course you would. So, but there's never been a way for those areas to communicate because each profession really is only kind of communicating within its profession. So, you know, midwives talk to midwives and obstetricians talk to obstetricians um, and medical herbalists talk to medical herbalists. But can we get in one room obstetricians, you know, um, midwives, medical herbalists, um, homeopaths, let's get them all round one table so we can discuss this topic together and say, well, what do you do for gestational diabetes? What do you do for, G you know, and, and get that communication flowing because women themselves, um, so here's the interesting thing, is when you look at research, of which there's actually quite a lot um, of research done in countries and all around, all over the planet, as to how much pregnant women embrace complementary and alternative healthcare within their pregnancy. The stats are so high. Depending on the country you're in and the piece of research you're looking at, it's generally anywhere between about one third to two thirds of all women. So if we roughly say half, um, and it's irregardless of the demographic. So these so are women that are enthusiastically embracing different modalities. These are women of, these are all women of uh -huh. all women who are pregnant. What percentage of them around the world will use a complementary or alternative? Right, right. So and, and that pregnancy. shows that they're open to it and that yeah. they want so, it really. So it shows. So around about, so one third to two thirds. And you so have to wonder to about the half. other half. You have to wonder if that other half just isn't given the opportunity to, right? Yeah, I think that's probably a mix. Either they may look at it all as pseudoscience um, or maybe they're just not aware or maybe they can't afford it because mm -hmm. um, it's stuff you, you have to usually pay for. It's not usually but included. That's a great healthcare. point because if they went in with a you know, a normal medical concern, diabetes or something, they would generally stick with what the doctor says or they would follow the protocol with, with birth. Yeah, you're right. A lot of pregnant women are willing to try other things that they're not Absolutely. normally willing to try in real life. I mean, in normal life. Yes. You're absolutely true. Yeah, because, that's really fascinating. They are questioning um, that, like the, the idea of sort of back in the day when my mum had um, had her kids and goodness me, you did not question the, the doctor. No. He had what they called the God syndrome. 
and uh, which was well documented. Whatever the doctor said is, you know, that's what you did. And uh, and whatever the charge midwife said is what you did as well. Okay. Nobody, nobody questioned anything back mm-hmm. then. Um, but, you know, women do now. And they have access to Dr. Google, which is not always a great thing. Um, <laughs> Dr. Google. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, but they are questioning authority. In fact, I heard a recent statistic. Um, well, recently I heard it. It's not that recent, the statistic. But in the city of Sydney in New South Wales in Australia, um, they did some research um, a little while ago and found that the richest suburbs in Sydney, of which they are, we're talking very wealthy suburbs. These are kind of the suburbs that go from, say, Darling Harbour around to Bondi Beach, which are all coastal and massive amounts of mansions, highest educational area, highest amounts of of nannies um, paid for in these suburbs. But those suburbs have the lowest rates of inoculation vaccines being uptaken. Hmm. Now, I'm not here to say whether vaccines are right or wrong. That's not the discussion. But what I find interesting is that um, the vaccine uptake or lack of it used to be associated with lower demographic and lack of education. And now it's associated with higher, draft, higher demographic and tertiary educated people. So Interesting. Yeah, they, basically they're questioning authority. Mm-hmm. And saying, well, I don't necessarily trust the doctors that they kind of do the right okay, thing. Okay, so reverse, a little bit of reverse psychology then. A doctor yeah. who is willing to refer out to um, another integrative, a complementary service is actually seen as more uh, trustworthy, honestly. Like if the doctor's willing to say, oh, you know, this isn't, I think you could make you some acupuncture. That's not my specialty. Here's who I would recommend. The mom's now going to see that doctor and go, wow, you really know your stuff because you don't know what you, I mean, you know what you don't know and you're willing to yes. like pull it together for me and do a holistic care for me. So it's like, Oh my God, you've absolutely nailed it. It's no, yeah. it's a no-brainer so, for providers it's a to no want. Brainer. So you, yeah. you know, you just gave me goosebumps saying that. Um, that's exactly what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And there are obstetricians around the world who do operate that way. And they'll yep. work in a clinic where within that same clinic, there's a medical herbalist and, a, and your acupuncturist and your homeopath. And, and um, but do... Their other local obstetricians respect them? Uh, often not. Often they are seen as radical and fringe and outside <laughs> the norm. And, um, you know, so there is a, le- a level of collegial disrespect, unfortunately. Um, I remember speaking um, with, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a couple of uh, obstetricians in Brazil, of all places, who, now Brazil has about a 90% sus- c-section rate and probably the the 10 percent um that are not c-sections are accidentally not c-sections yes it's <laughs> just women who give birth yes um but it's all privatized there so you know the you know when, when doctors you know if you are an obstetrician and you've got the choice okay should i stay up all night and not know when this baby's going to get born to finally catch it or should we just book the woman in so I can make it to my golf game and I'll charge more as well? Because well, it's also, it's not just a golf game, but he can do two or three or four or five, six births in one day yeah. in, a, in a work day. But if you're catching babies, I know my midwifery friends, my midwife friends, they are 
sometimes bouncing between rooms waiting for babies to come. So that's very strange. You cannot have six women in labor and be okay. Like, no. (laughs) At the same time. No, you absolutely can't. So, yeah, why would you, exactly. So, why Mm -hmm. would you risk, you know, doing one labor when you can do six cesareans? And this is all privatized, which means they do get paid more for doing more birth absolutely yeah and in fact i've always sort of made the joke that if if obstetricians were paid more for natural births than surgical births then we would have more natural births of course um but that is not i i'm i i at the same time uh, i don't want to insult our no um, no 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 No, not at all if, if you were the other way, yeah. you'd have abuse that way too. You'd have doctors yeah. putting off C-sections that really needed to happen. So either way, there's always going to be Yeah, there's the just a bias within yeah. there. It just can't be helped. Um, and but you it, would think like in New Zealand where you don't get paid more, whether it's C-section or natural, that it, yeah. you would then see more of an equilibrium. But you're saying there's still too many C-sections. Uh, we would have... Yeah, we've, we still have too many from the point of view that we have got too many epidurals on board, in my opinion. Mm. Um, so that's just going to lead down that path, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those cascades that do occur. Um, oh, what I was just to say about um, the two Brazilian, um, I, I was talking, as I say, to these two Brazilian uh, obstetricians who are also homeopaths, and probably they'd be between them, you know, one of a two of a, a handful of top homeopathic obstetricians um, on the planet, and I said to them, "So, how do your colleagues in Brazil, you know, how do they sort of feel towards you?" And they're like, "They hate us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they hate them doing all these natural, normal births. <laughs> Why do they hate yeah. them?" Oh, because, because it makes it makes them look makes the the other ones look bad, I guess. Oh, yeah. wow. Anyway, so I think that going back to that question, that um, there is still very much a feeling uh, for uh, our obstetric colleagues that um, if they do go down that that natural route um, and embrace integrative medicine into their care, they are making themselves vulnerable um, to have colleagues sort of poo-poo them a little mm-hmm. bit and um, say, and, and that's very much still in New Zealand as well. That's all around the world. So that is one of the areas that we're fighting. But I think we've got, as, you know, more millennials come in and become our obstetricians, as we're seeing sort of a younger thinking kind of way of doing mm-hmm. things, and a little bit more questioning authority and a little bit more clean. Oh, I love it. Natural. <laughs> You know, I think that yeah. that's starting to change and we're going to um, probably see that more often, you know, yeah. and, it, and it could eventually we'll kind of get rid of some of our um, old school thinking mm-hmm. obstetrics. With, and, and that's not just obstetrics. We're talking old school kind of within medicine in general, you know. We, yeah. yeah a, I'll give you an interesting example. Um, that occurred with me recently, but um, in New Zealand, we have a particular department of the government called ACC, which stands for Accident Compensation Corporation. But basically, there's like a little division within healthcare as to whether something is an illness or whether something is caused from an accident. So it's just funded within two different funnels sort of through the government. 
Um, and so I had a situation recently where I had a injury that was accepted by ACC to do with an ankle, right? So um, I remember um, oh, like 25 years ago going to see an acupuncturist um, where they had a petition on their um, reception counter of saying, please, could we get ACC to recognize acupuncture as a viable, you know, proper way for people to heal. And so what I found interesting was now, quarter of a century later, here I get a letter from ACC saying, um, this is just to confirm we've accepted the cost of your um, accident. And if you need to see a um, any of the following, it's all free, just go book it in, um, which is your acupuncturist, osteopath. Um, yeah, and I was just sitting there going, yay, you know. Wow, that's so progress. So got this whole funnel of the government that recognises that when people have had an accident or have an injury from accident, that acupuncture or osteopathy or chiropractor could potentially help that person. So they And less costly, yeah. right? Absolutely, because if they can get that person cured with those things or a lot better off, then it's going to be cheaper on the system in, in the mm -hmm. end. But the interesting thing there is that we know, for example, uh, as I mentioned, that acupuncture can help um, a whole lot of different things that can be complications in pregnancy, with those commonest complications, I guess, being a poorly growing baby or gestational diabetes or preeclampsic toxemia. So mm -hmm. we know that acupuncture can, and so can medical, medical herbalism and so can homeopathy, can, we know research shows that they can help those, those conditions. But what we don't have yet is the ability for the midwife or the obstetrician to formally refer that person, that yes. woman, yes. to that service as part mm -hmm. of her care. At least so, in New Zealand, a lot of these cares are cared are taken are paid for by the system. In the United States, I don't know any acupuncturists that are paid for by insurance. That that would be amazing. That yeah. would be, I mean, very few chiropractors are too. So, are you finding that um, the o the OBs and the midwives, the primary care person, is less likely to refer out, but the other people are uh, the secondary care providers are more willing to refer amongst each other. Like, for example, is the acupuncturist more open to referring out to a massage therapist? Um. Certainly midwives in general, especially the self-employed caseloading ones who, you know, get that um, close relationship going with the woman and get to know her and her situation, um, it's very, very common for midwives to make recommendations to some sort of alternate holistic healers of some part mm -hmm. through that journey. Absolutely, that would be pretty common. It's not a formal uh, recommendation where you, you know, writing out a letter and said, it's not, okay. it's more, look, I think this could help. So, right, you know, so more like a, but, but a mentality. Yeah, but a mentality. But certainly with the um, doctors in the hospitals, no, and not so much. Um, but that is, I guess, also because they, they tend to see women for a very shorter time, you know, mm -hmm. um, so it's a very kind of in and out appointment. Um, whereas when you get that uh, continuity of care relationship going on, then um, when you, you are a 
caseloading midwife or a caseloading obstetrician and they're your actual client mm-hmm. um, that you're looking after for a while. I think that's when it should absolutely be used. Although I've certainly had situations with private um, obstetricians where um, they've said to their client who also has me as their midwife, because when you have an, a private obstetrician, you still have a midwife. Um, and so then the obstetrician will say, oh, look, just go talk to Kathy and she'll sort you out because she has, you know, some bells and whistles and, and magical things. <laughs> bells and whistles and you magical know, things. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> wow. So okay. I know, I, we know the midwives have their tricks in the trade yep. <laughs> and their little secrets, so we'll leave them to it, um, which is kind of funny. Uh, but getting back to um, perinatal integrated medicine. So what happened was, that I realized that there was this absolute discommunication, not just in New Zealand, but really in New Zealand of one place, of all places, probably the best, but all around the world, there's this huge level of discommunication between um, naturopathic practitioners um, who specialize in maternity and the birth practitioners. So that's why I ended up forming IMCO, which is um, the International Integrative Maternity Healthcare Organization. And um, which you are going to, your book to speak on, yay, coming up in a webinar. Um, And uh, so, yeah, what we do is um, basically try to create this, uh, well, we are creating an umbrella so that these two areas can communicate with each Mm -hmm. other especially um, wanting to, one of the things that we do is every um, six weeks we put out a e-journal, which basically um, highlights latest research on best practice that are to do with integrative um, maternity health. So uh, in fact, we didn't even have a term for it. So that's why I created the terms integrative maternity healthcare or perinatal integrative medicine, they're the same thing, but we actually didn't even have something to call it, which is kind of nuts. Yeah. But like, it's really what we're talking about is the maternity part of integrative medicine because although most women when they're pregnant are not, they're not unwell, they also are not of their normal health. Mm -hmm. It's true. Oh, that's a good point. It's not a normal, yeah. Pregnancy no, is normal and natural. output, their renal mm. filtration rates, all those sorts of things, they're not the normal for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the kind of that's why that maternity health and wellness um, holistically is its own kind of specialization. And I think that's why so many um, integrative healthcare practitioners have for whatever reason, ended up specializing in maternity. And that's mm. the one that we want to learn from. Mm-hmm. So your organization is an opportunity for uh, the specialists to come together in an organized way to, do they learn about each other's fields so that they can better recommend or how does the, how does it work? Um, well, we sort of, we are, I guess, in our own infancy still, um, mm-hmm. and it's still just run by volunteers. Um, and so I have certainly some really big dreams for it down the track. Um, something, you know, even to the point of, um, you know, having a, a practitioner directory that's worldwide. It's like if, if you, so for example, one day um, 
you know, you, you might live in San Diego and you're pregnant and then you, you shift to San Francisco and you want to look up, oh, well, who's the local acupuncturist in my area that mm-hmm. specializes in maternity? Well, that's where you'll go. You'll go to our directory mm-hmm. <laughs> and you'll look it up because it'll kind of be that one-stop shop where everybody communicates. Or if you want to have a really holistic, um, natural-minded obstetrician, where, where can you go? Um, so that's kind of an end goal, but right now where we're at is that we have done symposiums, so sort of like in-person, um, conferences, uh, but obviously with COVID, we're going to need to sort of really revisit that and look at making things more, um, virtual, which is probably easier anyway, because more people around the world can get access to it then. Um, and as I say, we've got our um, e-journal, which is a lot of work sort of goes into that because that comes out every six weeks. So a lot of research goes into that. And then it's really more that we just hope that people um, want to communicate with us so that we can get them to communicate with others. Mm-hmm. So the more that people we can get on our database, the more that we can um, let everybody know about everybody. Well, and also it's the more the mothers realize this is an option and they can ask their provider for referrals, the more the, the, more the moms demand, the more yeah. the, the practitioners will want to integrate, <laughs> will want yes. to collaborate and work together. Yes, and, then everybody and it, it wins, really obviously. is going to be woman-led, you know, yeah. it, it does have to be woman-led and that's, um, we, but it, it's one thing for the woman to lead it if the health professionals themselves don't actually kind of know what they should be doing. You know, so, I mean, if you're a doctor in a hospital, you know, how, how many lectures did you attend on naturopathic medicine? Probably none, you know, so um, there's like an education for the health professionals that needs to go on. And that's what we're trying to help with. You know? it, it takes a lot of pressure off the primary care provider as well, too, because if they can say, you know, I really feel like, oh, you, you've been diagnosed with gestational diabetes. Here's, here's a nutritionist nutritionist to help you like it takes so much pressure off that main care provider to have to know all the things and they can just refer out and then they can specialize in that high risk uh, or whatever they want to specialize in oh it's a win-win for everyone so okay so everybody let's just all agree let's just (laughs) make and make a pack tonight (laughs) that right it's just awesome okay so um where uh so where are where's this website or how can practitioners be yes. part of this? So network? the website is just basically IIMHCO.com. So that is um IIMHCO.com. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's the International Integrative Maternity Healthcare Organization, which we nickname IMCO. Um so that's it. If you simply if they simply just go to IMCO.com um, and uh, then they can fill out a little form there to, to go onto the mailing list to send us know their email. Mm-hmm. Um, and these and, are providers uh, that are just, um, they're committed to refer and to create a holistic, integrative experience for their clients. Yes, and they, um, they could be coming from all different sort of points of view. Maybe they are um, already a... a um, naturopathic practitioner 
that basically just wants to be sort of kept in the loop of you know um, mm. of knowing of the latest piece oh, of that's research a good point, that might yeah. come out, um, or maybe they are a um, a midwife or an obstetrician who just wants to be uh, more wants to embrace natural birth more. Um, they're sick and tired of seeing the bontus and forceps coming out all the time. Um, or maybe they are a pregnant woman who uh, wants to get education right from the source. Yeah, that, that's um, actually where I wanted to go next. So for pregnant people, how they can, they can start demanding this integrative approach. They can start asking their doctor. And if their doctor doesn't have any referrals, they can go and find these these other practitioners to help. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's still not easy at the moment. No. And our, our goal is to make it easier to do that. Um, but that all sort of takes time and effort um, and funds that we don't have. But um, so, so, yeah. What are some but of the questions? The yeah, that is the goal for sure. I yeah. bring it over here too. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> well, that's the, the point is it would be worldwide. Yeah, it's worldwide. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what are some of the questions the, the mom can ask her provider to kind of really get to the crux? Mm. Of what oh, they that's believe a good question. That's a good question. What can the mom ask her provider? I would sort of throw them on the spot a little bit, to be honest, and just open okay, it up. Okay, 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 but that's question. scary. To, to like throw a provider on a spot, that's, that's what I'm saying. Is there a back door we can go in ask, asking well, questions no, I, that would... I think you could. I, I would mm-hmm. want to confront them and just sort of say right from the get-go, um, especially when you are choosing somebody privately because that's how the system is done and you're choosing who that person is going to be and I would say something to them like you know tell me how do you feel about integrated medicine like medical herbalism or acupuncture or homeopathy how do you what do you think of those as that Mm. as alternatives and see what the response is because it's going to be pretty obvious Mm-hmm. Um, either they're going to go, oh my God, it's absolute rubbish. I wouldn't recommend it. The whole thing's dangerous. It's, there's, there's just not enough evidence. Blah, blah, blah. Or they'll go, well, you know, I, I don't know a lot about them. I'm not trained in that field, but uh, I think that we shouldn't dismiss that because we mm-hmm. know that, you know, so it's just kind of getting that mm-hmm. feel of where they sit. Um, because you don't, what the other thing that's come out very clearly in research, um, when, you know, I talked about that one third to two thirds of women all around the world that will use um, some some kind of alternate or complementary therapy in their pregnancy. Look, it could be something as minor as opting to use ginger to deal with their morning sickness, right? Mm -hmm. But it still comes under that category. Um, that they took that instead of taking um, an anti-emetic drug, right? right? So within the research, the other question that got asked um, quite often, depending on this particular study, was did you tell your health practitioner, your your birth practitioner, or whoever's looking after you, or your midwife or your OBGYN, did you tell them you were using those complementary or alternate therapies? Mm. And most women did not. <gasps> That's a very interesting part of that statistic. Yeah. That's yeah. very telling, sort of isn't somewhere it? Somewhere between sort of 75 to 95% didn't. Mm. 
Um, and mo the, the, leading que the leading reasons um, is because they, uh, the sort of leading two reasons was one, they kind of like didn't trust that person's opinion. Um, well, that's like, not a good situation to be in. <laughs> You're not kidding. They didn't, well, I, should I say, they don't, didn't trust that person's opinion about doing, using that product. Right, right. So that, a bit, but I, I mean, I'm saying like, if they don't trust their doctor's opinion about using ginger as an alternative, then do they really trust everything else the, the doctor, doctor says? Can't, yeah, but the doctor can't give an opinion on it because the doctor's not trained in naturopathy. But if the doctor were willing to say, Here's, here's a resource you might want to go look into. Liabilities off him because then the mom can That's go. That's right. So they don't, so, I mean, I was exactly the same, um, you know, when I was pregnant and um, I wasn't a midwife. I didn't, and I, um, I, I didn't tell my person. No. Yeah. Because I'm like, why do I want their opinion? They've never become a study to be a medical herbalist. Uh -huh. So I'm not interested in their opinion on medical herbalism when they're not a medical herbalist. Mm -hmm. So that was the first reason. The second reason was because there was a very strong feeling that the woman was in charge of her baby. Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, it's funny. It's like... um. Sometimes there's this feeling, you know, like, okay, so you give birth and you go home and you are now in charge of that baby, right? Nobody is then checking on you and saying, so um, you gave that baby some, some aromatherapy oil to help release its nasal congestion? Well, what's the double blind trials on that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody questions you when you're mm -hmm. when you're a mother when the baby is outside of your womb. But when your baby is inside your womb, um, it's all about that you don't know best. And there was this very strong feeling coming through multiple pieces of this research that the women were like sort of re rebelling and retaliating against that and going, Well, I'm not gonna tell them because I'm in charge of my baby, not them. Okay, that's step one. Step two is a fully integrated. I know there's a doctor locally here, and um, this my friend went to him having a miscarriage, and and she said, I just I is there anything I think I need a DNC? I don't know what what's going on. And he goes, Well, what do you want to do? I mean, I can I can refer you for a DNC, or um, I can give you some herbs or some homeopaths. What what do you want to do? And she's like, You mean you'll do that? Like I can just choose? And he's like, Yeah. What do you want? She's like, well, I really don't want a DNC because you know COVID and all the craziness that's going on. He's like, okay, here's here's what you should take. And he gave her some homeopathics and um, essential oils, and um, they worked like a charm. And she's like, what? What was that? Oh my god! I know. I know. He's yeah. And she's like, you even? I mean, he even he even called the bottle. It's uh, not just just any essential oils. It was like therapeutic grade, like. Uh, yes. It was like pharmaceutical grade. It was it was yes. basically a drug, and she and he said, "Well, this is like a DNC in a bottle, so that should work. Um, that should work." And she's like, "Okay," <laughs> and it did. Like everything. Yeah. but he was totally that doctor's name. For I me. know, I, I know. He's so we connect. He is That's actually kind of a, a local and he's hero. He's an OBGYN. No, he's not an OB. He's a family mm -hmm. practice, and which is ah. why he would have to refer out for a. a and DNC. DNC. Yeah. But, right. but cool. He's okay. kind of a celebrity around here because um, he's so willing to just try to, 
to t- try anything and he's very knowledgeable but he also um he also is willing to like work with other doctors like be on a three-way call with another doctor for, if a mom wants a third or a second opinion he'll like oh. talk with it anyway that's oh, no, everybody should be right i know he's he's the living embodiment of exactly mm-hmm. what we're talking about yeah yeah Exactly. And no, no ego, no nothing. No, he just wants no. the best for his patients. Yeah, not worried about and it. You know, the goal in the end, I guess, is that we're talking about our daughters. You yeah. know, when our daughters are having babies, although actually, well, ours are, our daughter's already <laughs> 21. So it might have to be her daughters. Um, but yeah, it, we want it to become so normal. Yeah. You know, um, and well, I like what you said about millennials, the crazy, I'm a millennial and like my lawyer's a millennial and my accountant's a millennial and my nice. midwife's a millennial. Like, it's so neat to finally see, like, I get to interact with my generation and not my parents' generation so much in the professional yes, realm. as those professionals. And so because, I have, you know, I we're talking that. about people that are in their, um, not just in their twenties, we're talking about people in their thirties and almost their forty now. And, you know, so now they're in those positions of, you know, leadership roles within the community as mm-hmm. professionals in the industry. And yay, yay. Yeah. So then these no. little Generation Zers, where I'm so excited to see what they're able to accomplish. These The girls, the the women, well, uh, girls, they're teenagers right now. So they're not, they're not having kids yet, quite yet, hopefully. <laughs> please. But but they're starting to see like, no, I want it. It's almost like the custom. We, we think of these, um, this younger generation, almost a snowflake generation, like everything has to be customized and that's seen as a derogatory, but at the same time, it's a really positive for moving birth. Because if you have this entire generation of girls who come up, grow up and, and as women say, no, I want birth my way, they're going to they're going to push back more than even my millennial group could do, yes. you know? And, and every generation it will have that attribute about them, don't you think, that is seen as a negative thing about them, yeah, but, but it becomes the positive. It's such a positive. That, it becomes that course of change. Yeah. You know? and, um, and it changes what's normal. Yeah. So it's very, I agree, it's really exciting. Um, I could talk all I'm, night. You know, like I remember, um, I don't know, just a, a, like a couple of years ago, I w- attended a, a Z talk um, in Auckland that was, and you, I walked in and the entire ground floor, the upstairs was the Z talks, and the entire ground floor was all the little like food providers and, and whatnot. And every single thing there was organic mm. like there was and this was all organized by the millennials you know and you just look at it and you go yeah you, you know they've got this they've got a more natural set of values coming in so yeah they're going to be demanding it mm-hmm. um but it is a, a mindset shift that we can't just take away epidurals mm-hmm. and not replace them with other knowledge that's true that's Um, a good point we have to give them some other tools in their tool belt um some more resources that they can use because most of the time um unlike unlike say in my grandmother and great-grandmother's generation most women today when they go into labor are attending the first labor they've ever been to in their life 
have never seen a woman in yeah. labor. The first labor is their labor. They have yes. no, no blueprints to go by. That's whereas, a great point. Yeah, whereas you go back 100 years ago, and, you know, when before contraception, and it would be absolutely common that, you know, an eldest daughter would be attending the the birth, her mother giving birth mm-hmm. again. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. Right? And so by the time a, a girl becomes a woman and is having a baby, she's probably attended half a dozen or ten or births, and she's mm-hmm. seen a woman in labor. She knows what it looks like. It's not so scary. Um, there's a foot, And we don't have that. So we have to replace that with knowledge and that's what i would call watching birth videos good birth and yeah and just giving advanced antenatal education Mm -hmm. but what we're doing at the moment is not adequate within no it's not a whole kind of topic um yeah so it's exciting it's changing and i think that where we are now and where we'll be in another quarter of a century is going to be quite different Well, I personally want to thank you for all the work you've done in the last two decades. I mean, I've only been in the birth world for about 10 years, but really what you worked on 25 years ago is, is really, it's being built on and we couldn't be where we are today without your work 25 years ago. And (laughs) those that came before you even, it's just, it's just amazing to see what you've been able to accomplish in 25 years and what my daughters will be able to accomplish in 25 years. It's just going to be so I, I have a lot of hope for, and there's a lot of sad things. There's a lot of bad things that happen in birth and terrible, terrible things, but I have lots of hope. Absolutely. So your yeah. website is motherswise.com. And yeah. yes, you are based in New Zealand, but for our listeners in the USA, um, it is a great resource. I've been um, plucking around in there and she, it's just well <laughs> organized you. and there's some beautiful resources, tons of free stuff. Yeah, loads of resources there and motherswise.com for those expectant mums. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's my kind of Kathy Free sort of stuff in there. Um, And then, uh, so Motherswise is my business, but IMCO is my passion from that Mm -hmm. uh, collegial um, health professional to health professional sort of basis. So if you are a mom, um, yeah. go to Mother's Wise. If you are a professional, yes. go to IM, IIMHCO.com yeah. and get Basically. connected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And we'd love to connect. And, and I welcome emails from anybody, um, you know, that, that wants to sort of put their hand up and say hi. Um, yeah, you can tell great. from this episode, yeah. Kathy's super friendly. She won't bite. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can email her yeah that would be amazing um yeah. do you want to do you want to put your email address here you want to yeah yeah so just kathy at kathyfray.com perfect awesome yeah well thank you so much this has been so interesting to thank kind you. of explore these topics with you thank you thank you please visit us at birthcircle.com join our facebook groups or find us on instagram and pinterest We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience.